so it's great. Let's go to 1 John, the book of 1 John tonight together, if you will, please. If your Bible is 1 John chapter 2, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, looking forward to getting the Word of God tonight. I love the Word of God, and uh, I love opening it. I love studying it. And uh, I, I had a quiet time this afternoon. I, we got back from lunch, and I asked Darren, I said, it's okay if I go to the office and just have quiet time. And my house is, you know, not, not loud or noisy at all, so... Uh, so I got away for a little bit and uh, had some quiet time this afternoon, and so just uh, got to refresh my my uh, uh, spirit and got alone with the Lord for a little bit and uh, just enjoyed myself greatly. First uh, John chapter uh, number two tonight. We looked uh, about a month or so ago. It might be long before that. It might be in the fall. We looked at First John chapter one about a joyful life and what it means to have a joyful life and. Uh, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote about that, how you can have joy full or your for, jo- uh, joy full and overflowing. And uh, we come tonight to really the second part of this, if you will, the second part of, the, of uh, this message. And uh, we won't even get through the entire thing today. First uh, John chapter 2 is, is uh, full of great truths. And uh, I believe <clears throat> tonight that not only is John writing to the believers to encourage them, about having a joy or full of joy, but also encouraging believers to remind them of eternal life. And sometimes we as believers just need some reminders, you know. Uh, sometimes believers, we need to be reminded of the truths of God's Word. And so I just want to encourage you with some thoughts tonight and uh, give you some reminders this evening. Again, let me just say this before we get into this. Thank you for the many uh, birthday wishes today. And uh, it's hard to believe 35 years ago I was born and uh, time has flown by. Time is flowing. I mean, it, it really, I, I hear people say, the older you get, the quicker it goes, and yes, uh, but it's just hard to believe that, and, and I'm thankful for the goodness of God in my life, and uh, thankful for my parents, thankful for my godly heritage, and uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, and it's not an easy home, uh, sometimes grow up in, but I'm thankful for that, and thankful for the influence of my parents, and, and them teaching us the truth of God's word all my life, and they still do, and uh, now they're investing in my, my kids, and so... Uh, so I'm thankful for that truth tonight. Let's look at this together here. First John chapter 2 is a reminder just, again, last time we looked at a joyful life or having a joyful life. And uh, I want to look tonight at what it means or the idea of a clean life, having a clean life. We're going to get here in just a moment, First John, but I believe John gets down to really the nitty gritty, if you will, of this book. And this is a Bible study tonight. And so he, he's simple. He's just to the point. He addresses uh, the readers with more familiar, endearing terms to begin in chapter 2. In fir- chapter 1, he kind uh, of gives some background and understanding to the believers and having their joy full and knowing about their sins forgiven and, and uh, a lot of great truths in that verse. But I believe John kind of shifts in chapter 2. And let's look at it together here tonight. And, and I want you to think about this thought. You know, we share a, a close relationship with one another here tonight. Maybe you've been friends for many years and as a church, I believe we share a close relationship with one another, and I'm, I'm grateful to God for this church. I really am. It's been encouraging to me as a believer and, and hearing the Word of God every week, and many of you loved our family, loved us, and that, that's great. I, I, I am so eternally grateful. But there is nothing quite like the fellowship of the Lord. And having, having that, that, that spirit, having the Lord with us, walking with us, communing with us, fellowshiping with us, and so John kind of hits both here in this chapter. But you think about this, when we begin loving Others and having relationship or having fellowship with God, he intended us to have, will understand of what it means to walk in the light, John mentions in chapter 1. Look at, look at John chapter Let's just get in the, uh, the scriptures tonight to begin with and uh, give you some thoughts here tonight, uh, depending on time and 
uh, won't be long this evening because I'm, I'm looking forward to the party. I'm excited about it. So uh, pastors laughed about it earlier, so I'm, I'm anticipating something great. So, so looking forward to it. But let's get into this here together tonight. First John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that, you're, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, and in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby we know that we are in him. Look at verse 6. We'll finish here. We may not get this far tonight, but let's just uh, get, read verse 6 for time's sake tonight. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight before we get started and just ask his help tonight for the next few moments together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this night. Thank you for this day that you've given to us the opportunity to come to your house. Uh, Lord, we give you praise for who you are. We give you praise tonight that we can have fellowship with believers, but also the fellowship with you. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to understand these great truths. Lord, thank you for... Uh, just a great day thus far. Thank you for all that you've done for us, and we give you glory tonight. And uh, thank you for God's people being here in the house of the Lord, and encourage our hearts tonight for just a few moments. And we ask all these things, your name we pray, amen. Think about tonight, <clears throat> uh, growing up, many of you probably had rules and uh, things that your family expected out of you. You know, coming from a pastor's home, my parents I had things that they expected of us, asked of us, and, and my, my parents were by no means tyrants, and they uh, didn't expect us to be little soldiers, but there were things that uh, my brothers and I knew and expected. There were things that we were told that would, we were supposed to do, and if we didn't do them, they, there would be punishment for those things. Uh, we, uh, we, we fought a lot at home. My brothers and I fought, and we wrestled, and you know, it was just um, growing up t- together was great. Having brothers was great. And uh, we, but we, once we left the house, that was not to happen anywhere else. Uh, when we left the house, there were uh, things that <clears throat> uh, my parents expected us to uh, obey their authority and uh, act as, as uh, children of God or Christians. And, and, uh, but, but we knew ahead of time what was expected. And, and I knew those things because my parents told them to us or told them to my brothers and I. And I imagine for a minute tonight that John is writing to the believers in the same manner, telling them there are some things they should do in order to stay clean before the Lord. Now, let me say this. I, I, we've been talking through Real Christianity, our Sunday school class on Sunday mornings, and uh, talking about what it means to know for sure and understand what being a Christian really is. And we know that Christianity is about a relationship, not about rules, not about regulations, things we're to check off our box each week. But the Bible does tell us in 2 Timothy 2.21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So we should strive and we should want to prepare so the Lord can use us. And so the question I want you to think about tonight and give you this really question to think about is your or do you desire your life to be clean? Do you desire your life to be clean so, so much that God can use you and, and really fully use you in a great way? Use our church. Imagine if we really strive tonight as a church family. And I, I want to relate this to our family tonight as a church family because I believe that's what John was, was trying to get across. The point is uh, to the family of God and being part of the family. And so I'm going to already assume that 
uh, you know the Lord, and tonight if you don't, you can be part of the family of God, of course, and uh, His salvation is for all. It's free to all. And we thank the Lord for that tonight. But I'm going to address the family of God in that sense, so keep that in mind. Look at verse number 1, the first part of this uh, verse. My little children. So notice that term of endearment again. He's talking about uh, terms of endearment, my little children, the children of the Lord. It's what he says. These things write I unto you that ye sin not. We see, first of all, the danger. And I've given these a little... A phrase to go with them, the danger here, stay away from things that will get you in trouble. As a family of God, or a family, or part of the family of God, there are things that uh, God wants us not to do as far as ch- his children. He doesn't want us to sin. Remember that John had mentioned earlier that God is faithful and just, yes, to forgive us of our sins. And for all that have sinned, he, he forgives them. But the reality today is that we have an ever-present sin in our life. And God's ever-ready forgiveness must not become our excuse to sin. John is not giving us a, 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 John is not giving us an excuse to sin, but urging us to avoid it. Why? Because it's dangerous. Sin is dangerous. Notice again, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. It's pretty simple. I, I love John for the fact that he's simplistic in his uh, writing and understanding. And we must understand tonight, friends, that sin is dangerous. Sin, first said this way, sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go. It'll keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it'll cost you more than you have ever expected to pay. I try not to preach experience and, and preach what I've seen or done. But I will tell you tonight, I can take you to homes tonight where sin has destroyed that home. I can take you to places tonight, churches tonight. I can take you with me to some places that I know of right now at this very moment that I've seen with my very own eyes sin destroy that that family or sin destroy a life i've seen it time and time again aaron and i've been serving the lord now for almost 13 years together and we've seen a lot of good we've all seen a lot of bad we've seen uh, god uh, do great mighty things we give him praise for that but we've also seen probably some things that i would never even share um, as far as sin and destructiveness of sin Always will take you further than you want to go. John reminds the children, reminds the family of God tonight. He reminds them here in verse 1, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Don't or stay away from things that will get you in trouble. You know, we teach our children to not touch a hot oven. We teach them not to put their finger in a light socket, even though some kids still do. We teach them not to hit one another. We teach those things, and John is trying to encourage the believers, there is a danger. There is an ever-present danger of sin. So stay away from things that will get us in trouble. No second of all tonight, we find in the same verse, in verse number one, he says is that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. I call this the deliverer. The phrase for this says this, when you mess up, remember you have someone who all, who's always in your corner. That's a great truth tonight, isn't it? When you mess up, when you make mistakes, you have someone in your corner. No matter what happens, we're never alone. No, how matter, no, how, no matter how far we stray away into the murky waters of temptation and disobedience, as we've seen in the life of Jonah the, week, the last few weeks, no matter how wrong the actions or severe consequences we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What a great truth. I say amen for that great truth tonight. Advocate simply means this. It's a helper, one who will come to your side uh, in, ever, in, in, in ever a time of need. He comes to you in the very moment that you need him, he's there. He's our advocate. It refers to the one who appears in another's behalf or a mediator or intercessor or helper. 
It's a great truth tonight. I was hoping Jordan and Jarrett would be here tonight. I was going to use them as a great example. As you think about it this way, the greatest way to uh, illustrate this is as if uh, a brother or sibling, my brothers, and we're laying to family tonight, the family of God, my brothers and I get in trouble. And who do you think the one they usually blame the, the problem on? You're looking at him, okay? So usually I was the one who got, oh, Kenny did it. You know, Kenny was the one who did whatever it was, even though most of the time it was me. Uh, I was the one who got blamed for it, no matter what happens. Now, if you think about my family, the one who gets blamed for it is Cassie. She, Cassie did it. You know, it's just, it's just the, the, uh, the draw of the middle child. It's, the, it's great. But, you know, in that situation, you think about a, a situation. I was hoping the brothers would be here tonight, but I was going to use an example. If one of them was doing something to each other and uh, Jennifer saw them and she gave them that look, it's almost as if somebody else came to the brother's side or one of the brother's side and says, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm your advocate. I, look, what they did, I'll, I'll pay for their sins. What, what they, or I'll, I'll pay for their wrong. It's the same truth as if we think about what Christ has done for us. When we sin, when we mess up, when we make mistakes, when we do something that displeases the Father, we have an advocate. He comes. He's our helper. He comes to our side and says, it's, it's okay. I paid for that. I, I forgave them for their sin. An author put it this way, Christ is our representative. I'm, I'm thankful he's my representative. I'm thankful that he stands in, in place for me. And, and when I mess up, he's there. I, I have died for Kenny. I, have, I, I paid the penalty for him. He goes on to say he defends us at the Father's throne. Satan may stand there and accuse, or there's an accuser of the brethren, but Christ stands there as our advocate. He pleads on our behalf. Continuing forgiveness in response to his prayers is God's answer to our sinfulness. Like almost as a defense attorney, Christ constantly pleads our case before the heavenly court. But there are a couple differences between a divine advocate and a earthly attorney. Maybe you've been to a court before. Maybe you've had to go and stand before a judge or, or somebody represents you, an attorney. But an attorney tries to defend a client's innocence, but our Savior comes to our aid as we acknowledge our guilt. Lord, I've sinned. I messed up. I'm, I'm here for you. I've, I've come to help you. An attorney works within the law, arguing the merits of our case and trying to persuade a judge or jury. Our Savior came to our aid, becoming the propitiation for our sins. He paid the penalty of sin for all of humanity. It's been paid for. It's been bought. As the one perfect God-man, he took the place of all humanity through his atoning sacrifice on the cross. That term we see in verse number 2, the propitiation is, can be defined as an offering that turns away divine wrath against us. When Christ steps in for the believer who confesses their sin, the divine judge responds to our advocate who paid the price for the sin of the world, saying, I'm satisfied, case dismissed. What a great truth that is tonight. If you think about what Christ has done for you, for your sin, Lord, I, I've, I've done wrong. Lord, I recognize, and as we saw last time about having joy that's full as Repenting and saying the same thing as God says about that sin. Lord, I've done this, and, and the case is dismissed. It's, it's gone. It's wiped away. What a great truth we think about that tonight. Notice John does not say that if anyone repents, he has an advocate, nor if anyone confesses his sin, he has an advocate. Neither does he say uh, that if anyone goes through a ceremony to get rid of his sins, he has an advocate. What he does say is this, that if any man sin, we do. It's, it's a positive thing. We absolutely have an advocate with the Father. Before we even repent of a cruel word or a, 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 a cruel thing or a, a brutal word, we said that very moment we had the evil thought pass through our minds, the moment that we acted in a wrong way, the moment we responded in a wrong manner, Jesus Christ was there at the throne of God 
to re- represent us as Satan was there accusing us. Satan sees us and says, yeah, you're the, you're the guy, you're the person, you've done it. And Christ sees us, no, I've paid for that sin. I've, I've, I've paid the penalty for that. Then Christ becomes our advocacy. The Holy Spirit begins, brings conviction to us and we confess our sins to the fathers. We said uh, a few months ago when we looked at 1 John, we confess, as I already said, means the same thing. We get on God's side of it. We say, Lord, I, I see that wrong. As we see in the life of Jonah, we're going to continue seeing. I, I love the story of Jonah and uh, how God still continued to, to work in his life, was still with him, even in the deepest, darkest moments. And he realized what he'd done. But remember this today before we move on. We have deliverance because of our advocate. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Tonight, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's not too late. It's not too far gone. It's not too far of an opportunity. Christ can still come into your life and save you. He is your propitiation for our sins. Let's move on here tonight. Notice the thoroughly. Not only do we see <clears throat> the danger, avoid sin, get it out of your life, get away from it, how we can have a clean life, avoid sins. Notice the danger of the deliverer. He's there. He's our advocacy. He's the propitiation for our sins. But notice thoroughly tonight. Let's go down to verse number three together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at verse three. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. I call this third one the doing. Behave like a member of the family. Behave like the member of the family. The best proof that we have come to know him, as John writes, and therefore are members of God's family, is a life of obedience to him. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do. I give you everything. I surrender all, as we sang this morning. I, Lord, all I have, I give to you. One thing we've heard people say, well, uh, I've heard it say over the years, well, you're, you're not my mom and dad. You can't tell me what to do. I don't have to listen to you. Now, I guarantee you that if, if some of your uh, kids came and said that to me, you probably uh, would be upset or, or, or frustrated. I've heard kids say that, not, not our kids here, but kids in the past said that. And there will be consequences for that. But as we think about this related to the family of God, we obey God as our Heavenly Father. We, we obey Him and, and out of love and out of respect, not constant fear, not, uh, Lord, if I, if I don't do this, I know it's going to be judgment, but understanding who He is and what He's done for us, He's paid the penalty for our sin. John is saying here in verse number 3, as we see, it's important for us to know Christ, therefore loving and respecting Him. That's what John says. Look at verse 3 again. Hereby we do know that we know Him. Notice as if we keep His commandments. If you can imagine for just a moment as John maybe was reminding himself, would you go back to the book of John with me, the actual gospel of John for just a moment? I want to look at a passage. I, I, you know, I tell this on Wednesday nights to our young people as we're studying through the book of James. I, I like to go into the mind sometimes of the writer and think about what are they saying or what are they thinking and why are they writing this? As you study the word of God, I hope you do that and uh, think about the context and what's happening and what's going on and the reason why they're writing that. And, and as John was writing to the family of believers, there was a reason why he, sa- he said or reminded them, if, if you know me or know, t- speaking of Christ, we keep his commandments. Look at John chapter 14. We'll start down in verse 15 for just a moment. These were the latter days of Jesus' last day on earth as he would uh, commune with his disciples and spend time together with them and even to the Last Supper with them before he would be- go to the cross of Calvary and die for the sins of the world. And this is the moments leading up to that or the, the verses leading up to Look at verse John uh, or the book of John, Gospel of John 14, uh, verse 15. We find the very same phrase, matter of fact, it says in verse, or, uh, John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. So I think as John was writing back in 1 John, he was probably reminiscing about that very same time with the Lord. Look at verse 16 in that same chapter, John 14, 16. 
And I will pray to the Father, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Notice that. John saying the same thing he said in 1 John. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye also, or ye shall live also. At the day, that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He, hath, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself unto him. And he goes on to have a conversation with Judas there in that same chapter. But as we think about John reminiscing with each statement that he was making and, and writing in the book of 1 John, as well as in John, the Gospel of John, the relationship of the believer has with the Father and the Son becomes deeper. And so John was thinking about his relationship with his Father. If, if I know him and keep his commandments and obey him, I, I, I am one of him. I am part of him. And, and so Jesus was reminding John of these things. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me. And so as John goes back, let's go back to verse, 1 John, find the same very phrase we just read. He that, or, or, and, hereby, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And so I imagine those two are related. More is John thinking more and more about his relationship with Christ, coming to know Christ. As he got deeper and closer with his relationship with Christ, he said, I'm going to do everything I can to live for him, to tell the world about him, to, to go on and carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. And we, as members of God's family, have the very same truth. This is our, our, our doing. This is going and telling folks what Christ has done for us. It's obedience. Members of God's family obey their father. I, I I fear when I disobeyed my father, my, my earthly father. I, I fear to the point that I knew that there was a consequence for whatever I was doing that I wasn't supposed to be doing. The same is true with our Heavenly Father. We should honor and live Him. Not live in fear of, of a constant fear, but Lord, I love you. I want to live my life for you, and I'm going to do everything in my power to obey you and obey your commandments. This is the doing. Notice verse number 4 together. Let's go there. So we see... Tonight we see the danger, keep away from sin, have, how to have a clean life, the danger. We see the deliverer, he's propitiation or advocate. Uh, we see the doing of verse, look at verse number four. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth, or, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I call this the declaring. No matter what you say, your actions tell the real truth. You know, we've heard that phrase, and a worldly phrase, actions speak louder than words, and certainly sometimes it is true. Maybe you've heard another one, talk is cheap. You know, people say that often. Anyone who announces that they have come to know Jesus, but doesn't take a single step towards the light, as John mentions in 1 John 1, or, or really even lift a finger to do what he commands, John says they're a liar, they're a hypocrite. John, John's just to the point, he's simple. 1 John 2, 4, a person is a liar and the truth is not in him. If they claim to know Christ and they claim to keep his commandments... And they claim to do that, but they don't show it. It's not in their life. It's no proof of that. They're not declaring that. Then they're a liar. Man, that is, that is harsh words. This, this is true in really all our relationships. Think about it for a minute. Tonight, you who are married, and uh, uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, by the way, so I hope you prepare for that accordingly. We, we don't make a big deal at our house about Valentine's Day, and we, uh, we remember it and think about it and then go on from it, but... Uh, some of you may go all out for Valentine's Day and different things like that. But you think about tonight as a spouse when 
a man says or a husband says he loves his wife but does things to hurt her or treats her disrespectfully or unfairly or even abusively to that point, those actions say or show that he does not love his wife. But a man that truly loves his wife and will treat her with dignity, respect, faithfulness, and kindness, yes, we get irritated at one another at times. Yes, we all do that as spouses. Yes, we get frustrated, but to mostly respect, faithfulness, and kindness We see this very same thing, that he doesn't love his wife. He's not showing that. That's what John 4, or or 1 John 2, 4 says, He that saith, I know him, meaning Christ, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. He's a liar. Either you know Christ by obeying him, or you don't know him by disobeying him. Either, or there are many times who say, or or there are many who say the children, or they are the children of God, but the question is, are they Are they really? I'm not the one to judge and and say, well, are you really children of God? But this is a heart searching tonight. Do I live as Christ wants me to live? Do I obey God's word? Has my relationship with Christ grown closer to him or away from him? Now understand that we're going to make mistakes. We mess up. We're human beings. We have to remind ourselves of that. We all do that. But this John, what John is saying here is referring to the person who says they love the Lord, but is characterized by constant sinful lifestyle. We answer to the Lord. That's who we answer to. John says, he saith, I know him, keep the not his commandments, is a liar. He's a liar. This is referring to a person who says they love the Lord. As we've said that, declare today your love for the Lord by living for him and not just saying it. A person can say they love God, they live for God. Oh, I'm a Christian all day, but show it in your life. I hope people don't have to ask me or wonder or consider, is, it, is Kenny a Christian? Is, is he following the Lord? Is he... Uh, really a Christian, a believer, a child of God? Is he, is he really? Or could they just see Christ in me? That's my prayer for our church. That, that church, they, they love Christ. They, they show Christ to the community. They, they, in the store, they, they proclaim what Christ has done in the church. They, they talk about what God is doing, what God is working, and we leave these doors. It's easy to be a Christian in this building. But John says, if you love him and you don't keep it, or say you love him and know him and don't keep his commandments, he's a liar. He's a liar. Look at verse number five. Let's move on here. We can spend a lot more time on that tonight. This is the word of God. This is, it's, it's simple, plain, simple talk. That's why I love it tonight. Notice verse number five. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. This is the, the determination. Always remember that your obedience reveals how much you respect your father. Always remember that your obedience reveals how much you love and respect your father. John now looks at the person who is habitually keeping God's word. He kind of flips the, 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 the side of this. Even if, if we've heard maybe that, that person's verbal profession or we've seen them claim they know Christ, we can see from their life, it shows, it's proof in that. Love, they, they show their love and respect for the Lord. Our knowledge of God is tested by our obedience, so it is our love for God. The person who claims to love God but does not do what God says, John says they're self-deceived. They've, in First John 1, we saw that a few months ago when we looked at First John. They have, uh, they have, they're not understanding what it means to walk in the light. But what John had in mind here was the practical outflow of the love for the believer's heart toward other people. When we see a person constantly loving their neighbor as their self, when we see them turning other cheek when wrong, when we see them giving sacrificially to those in need, showing a hospitality, contributing faithfully to the local church. When we, and we wouldn't take that person aside, well, let me ask you a question. Do you really love your Heavenly Father? 
We want to ask that person because they, they've shown that by their obedience to the Lord and living for him. Our question is answered before we even ask it. That person, they love Christ. They love Christ. One of the greatest examples, I'm going to read the entire story tonight, but I keep this in my notes because I want to go back and remind myself of it often. Most of you are familiar with Corey Tim Boom, who was um, taken in for or arrested uh, part of her life for, for hiding Jews and uh, during the, the, the wars and, and Nazis uh, trying to get away with the, or uh, be away with the Jews. And later on in her life, a story or account, somebody wrote about her, her life and, and how she came across somebody in her church. Let me read just a, a minute of this or a little bit of this. The story says this, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a bald, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt uh, clutch between his hands. So she was re- this person was reminiscing, or this is Corey telling them, Corey Ten Boom telling them, the year was 1947, and I had come from Holland to, or Holland to defeat a Germany with a message of God that God forgives. And, and when, or that's when I saw him working his way forward against others after she had spoke to a group of people about her experience and what she went through. This man came up to her and um, talked to her and asked her if she remembered who he was. And, and, or she, he, didn't, she did, he did not know who she was. And this is what she said. The man said to her, you mentioned Ravensbrück in, in your talk, and he was saying I was a guard there. He was one of the Nazi guards. And she said, no, I, I did not remember me. But this is what he, she said, or he said to her. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know this is the, the guard. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. His hands came out and said, will you forgive me? And this is Corey, or Corey Ten Boom reminding herself or, or thinking within herself. And I stood there. I, whose sins have been forgiven, could not. Betsy had died in that place, talking about her sister. Could, could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could be or could not have been many seconds that he stood there, his hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. It says, for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If we do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And I stood, and, I, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. And this is what she goes on to say. And this is what I want you to think about tonight in our declaring, showing forth, or determining to show forth Christ in our life and our actions. She said this, forgiveness is not an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. This is what she said. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You, you supply the feeling. And so mechanically, she thrust her hand out and stretched out uh, to the man. And, and she said, as I did, the incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into the joint, uh, joints of my hands. And when the, the healing warmth seemed to flood my heart, being, bringing tears of joy, I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. That is what John is speaking of in verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. It's show forth in their action, how they respond to people. Corey Timboom, who had been in prison for hiding Jews, later was, came across one of the guards of the very same Nazi camp, she, or the, the, the camp where they kept the Jews, and she encountered this man and asked for forgiveness. Can you imagine somebody who wronged her and really, truly, our minds probably didn't deserve forgiveness. That's what John was referring to. This is exactly what he's talking about. Love perfecting the believer, enabling him to keep the word of God, even to Christ's life forgiveness of the cruel enemy. We know him. We love him. Excellent tonight. Prove it. Prove it in our lives. You know, families go through uh, growing pains. 
families, uh, our earthly families, spiritual families go through growing pains, but they go through seasons of highs and seasons of lows. And John was trying to do his best to remind the family of God there are some things to consider, things to remember. Just as a parent has set boundaries for your family or their, their families and rules for their children, God's word gives us the very same truths. Very same things to understand what we should abide by, do our best to live for those. Not that we, again, have rules and regulations, things we have to do, things we must do, things we should strive our best to do. But tonight, I encourage you this. Search the very deep places of your own heart and your own life and see maybe what needs to change. Hereby do we know him. It's proof of our life. There's, there's a danger of sin. It destroys lives. It destroys homes. It destroys churches. Short husbands and wives, couples. He's our propitiation for our sins. He's our, he's our advocate. Thank the Lord for that tonight. He's the deliverer, the one who's there for us. We know him. We keep his commandments, but we're not showing forth. This, there's a, there's a, a problem there, understanding that truth. But whoso keepeth his word, hereby is the, very, the love of God perfected in his life. Hereby we know him, that we are in him, in him. So you know what? We can have a joyful life, as John mentions in 1 John 1, but we can also have a clean life, as he mentions in John chapter 2. Let's bow our heads tonight in prayer. And ask the Lord to help us in these very same.